Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. We talked last week about the wisdom of rest. Remember that? We talked about the fact that we need physical rest. We're in this series now called Secret Passage, and it's a lot about the habits of Jesus. And we talked about physical rest, and here's some of the things that we said last week. We said, um, hey, God has given you enough time to do everything that he wants you to do, so if you don't have enough time to do everything that you are trying to do, there may be some things that God doesn't actually want you to do. We said we've got to embrace the right patterns and pace if we're going to be able to really rest. We talked about the fact that Um, If we can just get the revelation that we are a loved creature and that God actually wants us to rest, to enjoy it, not because we're wimpy, if we can reflect on the reality that Jesus makes up for all of my failures and faux pas, and so if I miss something, Jesus will make up for it, but then I can go the pace I need to go to listen to the voice of God and enjoy him forever. That's the kind of rest we're talking about, physical, actual rest, challenge to take a Sabbath, challenge to slow our pace if we need to, I haven't challenged many of us, hey man, get out your calendar, look back in time and see which things are, you know, what did you do in the past year that was spiritually profitable? Do more of that, but well, maybe it was just a waste of time. You didn't really need to be giving yourself to that and cut that out. Well, today we're talking about the habits of Jesus that lead to rest in a shaking world. Let me give you a bottom line. There's a secret passage around unnecessary pain. There's a secret passage around, you go around it around unnecessary pain. I want to be clear, let me make sure we all heard this. I didn't say a secret passage around all pain because there is actually necessary pain. You believe that? That's part of how the world describes reality. Um, Barnabas, who was uh, one of the early, he was a mentor to Paul the Apostles, one of the early church guys that was getting the church of Jesus Christ up and running. He was ministering to a group of young disciples, younger in the Lord, and he said this in Acts 14, 22, it is through many tribulations that we must enter the kingdom of God. It is part of God's curriculum. God says there's a certain amount of trouble you're going to have that I'm going to use that to draw you closer to your heart, closer to me, get your heart more firmly planted in heaven. That's just the trouble that is on planet earth. You're going to get some. We're all going to get it. We need to be compassionate with others as they're going through it, and we're not. Maybe we don't understand all the pain they're in, but here's the thing. Not all pain is necessary. Yo, there, there's some tribulation. Dude, you got to go through that, but there's also just dumb pain. I mean, anybody know about dumb pain? That means I caused this pain. My lack of wisdom, my partnering with the ways of darkness or with the ways of my flesh really caused me to have this pain. And, and what's really happening is I'm misaligned with God. See, we are spiritual creatures that were meant to be connected, to plugged in to God, getting our life flow from him, representing him to the earth, being high priests and priestesses, being prophets to the rest of the world. This is who your God is, and this is what he said. But because of the fall, that, that plug got out of place, okay? And now we're not in sync. And sometimes we're accessing the life and the power of God, but when we walk in disobedience, we're misaligned. We're not functioning the way that we were invented to function. That means we're, at, we're having a whole lot more resistance, and, and that walking in sin saps joy and brings 
Sometimes little punishments from life, meaning sin brings bad into my life. That's why God doesn't want us to do it. He's like, choose to sin, choose to suffer. I don't want you to suffer, so don't sin. And as we choose the ways of sin and selfishness, we're having a harder time progressing. And it sure be nice if we just get a secret passage right around that thing. Wouldn't it be? See, here's what I know. Um, A fish is going to have a really hard time trying to make its way around in my world because I was designed for land, and it was designed for water. Now, you, you put me next to a fish in the water, the fish is going to win every time, because the fish was designed for the water. It's just, it doesn't matter how good of a swimmer you are, a fish is a better swimmer, because a fish belongs in the water. In the same way, because God made us to radiate his life to others, as long as we're operating in obedience, we stay plugged in. And it works. It works just like the fish in water. But as we embrace the ways of darkness it begins to be more and more like a fish trying to flop around on the land, and it just don't work. Slap somebody on the knee say, it just don't work. It creates more pressure. It feels like we're going against the grain. And it, it, what it feels like in life is like, ugh. Man, there's always just something malfunctioning in my world. There's always just something going wrong. And again, sometimes that is. It's the tribulations of life that are part of the process of going to heaven. But it's not so good when it's us. And that's what's happening with the is the. Jerusalemites, we'll get real specific. The Jerusalemites that Jeremiah is talking to in today's passage. These guys, for hundreds of years, okay, they've been ignoring God's commands. And Jeremiah just comes and this is a prophet. This is a guy who speaks for God. He's, he's figuratively speaking, he's like the watchman on the wall. And he's looking out over the horizon saying, uh-oh, guys, you got to know, enemies are coming. And here's the thing, God's just, he's done arguing with you. He, he doesn't want to fight about it anymore. He's just going to kick you out of your land because you're entitled and you've embraced a whole bunch of like spiritual things that God didn't really command. So you feel spiritual, but you don't really care about what God actually wants, what his law actually says. You don't care about God. You like to look and appear spiritual and kind of appease your own conscience. And you've got this really deceiving thing, self-deceptive thing, and it's just over-optimism about humans and about self, okay? So they'd look back in their history and be like, it's probably just going to keep going good. It's gone good. It's just going to keep on going good. And for those who are in the United States, we could look around and we could say, man, you know, things have, yes, I know things are hard and we got the normal problems, but tech keeps getting better. We haven't had, you know, real depression in 90 some odd years. You know what I'm saying? We don't, we're not worried every day that enemies are going to attack our shores and, you know, break into our house and, and yes, there's real dangers, but there's not cataclysmic dangers that are surrounding us. And we just kind of have this optimism. I'll bet you what's going to happen is just going to keep on getting better and keep on rolling over and, and just keep on going. And God says, what you're not doing is you're, because of that optimism, you're not really owning and sensing your personal need for the word of God. Your personal need need. And, and many of us would, would put ourselves in the, in the same category. You're just, I, I, I can probably ignore God's word for a while longer. Like, it's not essential that I check in every day. It's not, a, like, I'll probably be fine. Even if I drift a little, I've just got such an optimism, it, it'll probably go fine. And this is where Jeremiah steps in. He says, guys, I'm telling you, there is a day that the bill comes due, where you've ignored it too long now. And now there's consequences, dumb consequences in your life. So let's pick it up, Jeremiah 6.16. Just one verse for today, but here we go. This is what the Lord says. Stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is 
and walk in it. Then you will find a resting place for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Like, no way, Jeremiah. We don't want this. That's not for, hey, we got our version. We got our watered down, go through the motions version. We don't need to know about God's way. So I want you to imagine you're at a crossroads, okay? Imagine you're coming out into an open field, you know, agrarian society, and there's trails and a little path, and you come up to kind of an inner, a trail intersection, all right? There you are, and you can see one path goes down that way, and one path goes down that way. And then as you look out in front of you, you see like, you know, there's overgrowth and there's grass, and, but in between the blades of grass, if you looked really hard, you could see it looks a little darker. You're like, is there something in there? And so you go up, you try to get a little higher ground, right? You're looking on the hill, you're like, what is that? And then you start to suspect, was that a road at one point? And so you go down there and you're, you're kind of like pulling, pulling grass back in. Sure enough, there's little stones arranged kind of like a path. Did somebody forget about this path? Here's this path, and nobody has gone down it in years. And Jeremiah is saying, I want you to stand up, and I want you to look at the ways, and look and ask for the good way. Ask for the ancient way. Ask for the way that everybody else forgot about. You need that. That's something, and you need to get on that path, because this road, guys, it leads to destruction, Jeremiah says. You don't want this. Your enemies are going to come in, and they're going to take over. They're going to make your life a living hell, those of you who survive. And if you go that way, it's also just really difficult. It leads to lukewarmness. It leads to inertia. Nothing really good happens. It is a secret passage if you go this way. When Jeremiah says the way, I'm going to read you just a... Sometimes it's easier for me just to read something than try to get the words right. It's revelation of and obedience to the commands of God. It's the way of repentance and reconciliation and love and fear of God. That's what the way is. It's coming back. Jeremiah says, go back to the ways of Moses. You forgot all about God's book. Go back to it. And that is the way. And this is a secret passage, Jeremiah says, around all the hardship that God wants you to miss. So I want to play you one of the sounds, one of the most wonderful sounds of my childhood. And I want to see if you know what this sound is, okay? Here we go. Come on. You know what that is? Some of, you, some of you old school folks know, that's all right if you don't know, it's kind of a deep cut, but that's the legend of Zelda when there's a secret passage, okay? So when Leek cuts down, you know, a shrub and there's a, you know, a little stairway down there, or he gets some extra gold, that's the sound of a secret passage. I love the sound of a secret passage. A secret passage is going to save me some pain, man. There might be money in that secret passage. I'm able to skip a level with the secret passage. And Jeremiah says, guys, there's, there's literally a secret passage right here. I'm telling you how to get around all the obstacles that you don't want to fight in this game. Just go down the ancient way, the old way. Ask for the ancient paths and see if God will not open up the floodgates of heaven. So he says, even when the earth is shaking, even when it's all coming down in year two of a pandemic, all I need you to do is ask and look for the old way the secret way, and you will be at rest no matter what's happening to anybody else. Here's number one. Obedience to God's word is the secret passage to prosperity, to God's presence, and his power. To prosperity, to God's presence, and to his power. Every place you and I want to end up begins with the old path to God's ways. That's where it begins. I'm talking about where we think we want to go. You ever like, I think I want to go here, and then you get there, and you're like, I didn't want to go here. I'm talking about the places you get, and you're like, yes, I am glad I am here. When you get there, every place that is there 
began with obedience to God's word. It began from crying out, God, I need to know you and I need to know your ways. And God says, I will bless my ways. People say, God, why don't you bless me? Well, I bless my way. Get in my way and you'll get blessed. The thing that Jeremiah was warning them about was judgment for what? For leaving the way. He's literally trying to reduce their problems. That's what, that's what this command is about. God's like, I'd like to reduce your problems, please. Can I please reduce your problems? Because you're really going to lose your freedoms. You're really going to lose literal stuff. God's path is a path of prosperity. Now, I don't mean that that means God's going to make us rich, but I can tell you as a guy who was once poor, the promises of God about, dude, if you just generally apply God's principles and start to obey him, he will begin to add things to you to be generous with. That is true, and it gives a lot of hope to people that are really down and out on the luck. And God says, I want to prosper you as you just obey. But there's something even more to it. It's about the kind of person we're becoming. So years ago, I worked for an organization and it was selling some stuff, and I just felt, there's nothing wrong with the product, but the way I was trained to pitch it, I just felt weird about it. I just felt bad about it. I was like, I don't know if this is right. And so I spent some time in God's Word. I went to the book of Proverbs, and I happened upon this verse, Proverbs 11, 4. It says, wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. And I felt like the Spirit of God was communicating to me the way, the secret passage right there. And he was saying, Carter, um, first of all, I can get you anything I want anytime I want, all right? But if you take a way that you know in your spirit is not my way, I'm making you no promises of where that path ultimately leads. But if you'll just prioritize my way, I'll make you the kind of guy that blessings are attracted to. I'll work on your, see, this is what Jesus is about. He's working on, he's working on the character. We, we ask, is this expedient? Does it get me the next thing that I want right now? That is not always the case, because it changes our character, that God can ultimately bless far more than whatever little win we were going to get quickly. I want to read you one of the most frightening passages in the entire Bible. Okay, so King David, he spent all this time, man. He fought Goliath, and he was running from Saul, and, and God was with him the whole time, and it was really hard, and then he ends up being king, and every, everything, he's got everything, okay? God prospered him, straight up prospered him. But then he gets his eye on a woman, and he has an affair with this woman, and to get around it, he has the, the husband killed. So a year goes by of David going through the motions, and his good friend Nathan comes speaking for God, and this is what he says, 2 Samuel 2, 7. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave, you your master, I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if this had been too little... I would have given you even more. Is that chilling? If that had not been enough, I would have given. Just reflect on that statement for just a second. I would have given. God says, I had all this stuff. I had all this stuff that I wanted to do. I was already good to you. And I had all this stuff that I wanted to do. I believe there are cities in heaven filled with gifts that God wanted to give people on earth. That now all he can say is, I would have. I, if you had stayed in the way, in that crucial moment, I would have backed up the dump truck of heaven and poured it out on your face. I would have, God says. I, now, I believe I've missed some opportunities. I've done some things wrong, and I know that's true. And I bet you there's some of those gifts have my name on them. 
And I know that when I'm in heaven, the greatest gift is Jesus, and I'd rather have him than any other kind of gift. But I do wonder sometimes. I'm like, gosh, what, what else could we have going here if I would have just you know, obeyed a little bit more fiercely in some crucial moments? And it makes me want to say, well, as far as I can tell from here on out then, look, if God would have, then I want it, right? So I'm just going to keep on doing my best to try to find the way. God wants to know who's just going to obey when nobody's looking. Who's going to obey when it doesn't, no one's ever going to see it except for God? He says, that's when you're going to get my blessing. That's when you're going to get my prosperity. That's the kind of man or woman that I can trust what they're going to do when no one else is watching. Obedience is a secret passage to prosperity, but it's also to God's presence. This is an important distinction that we need to make sure we're understanding right. If you are in Christ, if you've trusted Jesus Christ to be your forgiver and your king, he will never take his person from you. He will never cast you out. You don't have to worry that you're going to lose him somewhere on the trail. But he will take the sense of his blessing from you. He will make it clear as we determine to walk in disobedience like these Jerusalemites did. He will make it clear, I am not getting behind that. And I'm not giving you the sense of my presence to affirm to you that I'm behind something that is evil. See, as those creatures that were made to display God's glory, we were made to be confident. Confident in the delight of God, confident in his smile, confident to go and be like, my God is with me and I know it. But have you noticed that when you fall into some sin, you're kind of like wallowing in it and rolling around in it for a while, your confidence leaks away. And your, your confidence that you're walking in the, in the presence of God. Yes, in one sense you're still there, but in another sense, dude, it's going to take getting up out of that mud and you've, you've got the blood of Jesus as your shower. You go right over to the shower. Jesus, forgive me. Yes, okay, I forgive you. That's you staying in the way. Jesus is not asking anyone to never fall on the way. We all fall on the way. When we determine to roll around in the mud, that's where Jesus starts to say, hey, don't ask me to bless that. I'm not blessing that with my, my presence. So have you been wondering, why can't I experience more of the presence of God? Well, it might be perhaps that you're not asking for the, more of the presence of God, but it might be that you're embracing some ways that Jesus says, man, I love you, but I'm going to have to like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take care of you, but I, I'm not promising there won't be some other dumb pain that gets into your life because of what you're doing here. And I'm not going to give you more of my kingly presence because in some sense, as you hold on to that more than me, you are flipping me the bird every time you do it. And I'm a great king. And I don't hang out with people that flip me the bird all the time. Are we hearing that? You got to hear that balance, man. They're both true at the very same time. Obedience, to, to, obedience is a secret passage to God's power. So we said his presence and then his power. Here's what would happen. And I, <laughs> I'm careful to even say this, okay? Because our imaginations go different places. If I fell into some... some some deeper, long-term sin. Here's what you would notice. The anointing would begin to fall off my preaching. It wouldn't happen right away because it doesn't happen right away because God gives time and grace to repent. That's why you've seen some people, like very public figures, fall and it's like, what the heck? I, I know people at their church got saved last week. That's true because God is giving them time and God anoints the gospel, but he takes his anointing off of people. So if we're asking, why isn't God using me more? Why, why don't people get the sense that I've been around Jesus when I'm around Sometimes it's because God says, I can't anoint you with my power 
because you're doing things that are contrary to my way. And if you're determined to do that, it's not only that I'm going to withdraw my presence from you, I'm going to withdraw my effectiveness from you. Now, let me put a little asterisk here, because that, sometimes I'm going to have a bad sermon. You'll be like, Carter's in sin, everybody. Here we go. Pray for this guy. He's into something. Okay, just so you know, you know, preachers know this, and maybe public speakers know this, but everybody has a bad day, okay? So you just get it wrong sometimes. Plus, just remember, what if it's your sin, not my sin, okay? What if, what if you're not in the way, so you can't hear it the same way? It's really annoying for everybody else. All right, so let's just all have a lot of humility. Don't assume anything, but really you should always pray for your pastor anyway um, that the Lord is keeping him straight. Here, here's, here's the thing. We want God's power, but we don't want to be a vessel for power. We want his power, but we don't want to be a vessel for power. We say, God, I want your electric spiritual current. God says, well, I only send that into light bulbs, and you don't seem to want to be my light bulb. You don't really want to carry my glory. You just want me to do you favors. Okay? And God, you know, God's gracious. He'll give you a favor. Even so, he'll give you favors from time to time. But what he wants is, he says, why don't you set yourself apart for me in my way? And then I will fill you with so much electric spiritual power. It's going to be bright. Everybody's going to be able to see it. And you're not going to have any questions. I wonder if God is active in my life. Oh, baby, it'll be bright. How many think this is a good word that you needed today? If you're in the chat, go ahead and write, I needed this word today. And if you... Don't write it. We're all going to assume, well, maybe they're into some kind of sin, and so they can't feel the anointing. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Here we go. We're, we're, here's number two. The way, back to our bottom line, there's a secret passage around unnecessary pain, but the way is hidden. So you have to ask and look and see and inquire for it. Stand by the way and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is. Here's the thing about seeing the path. It can only be discerned by the Spirit. The natural eyes can't see it. It has to be, this is, where, this is what's so awesome about it. The Spirit of God himself has to reveal, here's the path. Here's where it is. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk in it. Matthew 13, 44 says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. This is a little mini parable that Jesus is telling. Hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all that he had and bought the field. Some of you know that in Jesus' time, it was actually a thing. It was kind of like winning the lottery, but it was still a real thing. Some, there are no banks you know, that people had in the local county town. And so they just buried treasure like in the ground. But occasionally, you just forget that it was there. And then that person died. And then their kids died. And so you might come across, let's say, a little animal somehow dug something up and it's just shiny in the ground. And you're like, what is that? And you, you go dig that. Oh my gosh, this is somebody's wealth. This is somebody's treasure. And you immediately conclude, there's more in here than this entire field. It's worth it. I'm just going to go buy this field. And then I'll have it. And in fact, I'm canceling all my appointments for tomorrow. This is the most important thing that I could possibly do. And Jesus says, when you get revelation of the way, when you get the sense that Jesus himself is speaking to you through the words of Scripture, baby, you'll, you'll shut down other things. You'll be like, I don't have anything more important to do than get this. This is the most, and this is where the Spirit of God has to give us the understanding of this is valuable. So when the pandemic started, many of you remember this, suddenly toilet paper was really valuable, like overnight, okay? And people were willing to be mean about it, Right? Like people, you saw how selfish the nation was. As soon as toilet paper began, like, we better get out there because I need to beat whoever to the toilet paper because suddenly it was valuable. Well, I suppose people were worried that it was going to be 
become rare. Check this out about God's way, about the revelation of God's will through his word. It's limitless. Never run out of it. But it's still rare. Still rare. Most aren't enjoying it. God says, I have this for you. Let me give you a heart. Let me circumcise your heart in such a way that you value this thing. So, I have here Fix-A-Flat. Now, you know, before I ever used Fix-A-Flat, anytime I had a flat tire, and I had my share, I would look at something like this, and I would say, that's for wimpy men. I don't need that thing. Until I finally used it. I was like, you know who else it's for? It's for people who want to fix a flat. (laughs) It's for people that just don't feel like changing their tire on the side of the tollway. And so now, every time we go on a long trip, I got my little friend here. He's in the trunk. He's ready to go. Now I value what I didn't value because I got into situations where like, oh my word, this is really important. You and I are going to be on the road of life and we're going to run into some flat tires and we're going to want an instant connection to God and his ways. The sooner that I hear from God, the better. So I want this way well worn. So me and Jesus are like this already when I got into the mess. Not trying to get into it when things get hard. So what do we do? What do we do? We ask for the way. I think it's important that we notice that. You have to ask for it. It's not automatic. Academics come to this book all the time. Like, I'm going to parse this and dissect this. And they're doing maybe even some very right things. They're studying the historical context and the literary context and the genre. They're doing all those right things, but they're not asking for the way. They're assuming they are God over the book and they will discern what is right instead of saying, God, I need you to give me value and understanding of this book. Please, please show me your way. Every day, you and I need to be crying out, God, show me the way. Show me the way in my family. Show me the way in my schooling. Show me the way at work. Just show me what God will want me to do. How do you want me to be a servant? Where do you want me to be a blessing? Where do you want me to be a blessing? Show me the way that you want me to go. Now, it is asking for Jesus to show us the way. But here's what else I found. It's also posturing yourself in places where he shows you the way. Okay, so check it out. If I stand in my backyard, the train is never coming. Because the train doesn't come to my backyard. The train only comes to the train station. Okay? There are certain places the word of God, the way of God comes through the word of God. It just comes. It comes in daily time. We call it a quiet time. Daily time with God. It comes at church through preachers like me. It comes at places like the Grove. It comes in Christian books. It comes in podcasts. Those are the places the train is coming. The question is, am I going to go to the train station? Am I just going to wait? Well, you know, the way didn't find me. Yeah, honey, it doesn't work that way. It works that you go to where the way is, and then you will collect it. So I wanted to give you some examples of how to collect the way in your personal time with God. So I've got a journal entry here. We're just going to read it. I don't remember what's on this. I hope it's nothing embarrassing. Okay, so this is how I do journals. Some of you might do it different. That's fine. Here's, Here's what I would challenge you, as long as it's helpful. If it's not helpful, I don't think you should do it. I used to try to like write my diary in my time with God, and guys, it was lame. And it was not helpful, okay? Now I do it topically. So here's words that I feel like the Spirit is laying on my heart. Here's script. This is like one day, okay? It's going to get more complex in a second. This is one day. Here's a scripture that I really felt like God was leading me to meditate on. Here's an anointed idea, and then there's prayer. So words. I felt like during my sabbatical, one of the things the Lord kept bringing to mind again and again is, enjoy your kids. 
I'm like, look, God, give me the, the deep mission of God. And he's like, enjoy your kids. And it's just every day, every day in my time with God, enjoy your kids. Alerting me to the fact that you're not enjoying your kids the way that I want you to, Carter. Don't give background to the devil. I was talking about the church. I was like, God, well, you know, a lot of things have, you know, we, some things fell apart during COVID and he wasn't creating pressure on me. He was just like, hey, man, don't just give the enemy ground. Okay, if, 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 if you lose some stuff, that's fine, but don't just give it up. Like, you got to have a fighter's mentality. And then he was, I was meditating on that particular scripture. There was a lot of good manna in there for me that day. And then an anointed idea. You know what an anointed idea is? It's something, you can't really say that God spoke it to you, but it's smarter than you and it came to your mind. Okay? You ever had that? You're like, doggone, that was smart. I'm just not that smart. So one of the things that, one anointed idea was, Carter, you really got to die to people's opinions. And I know that pastors should already know that, and I already did know that, but I, I don't know what the final 5%. And the Lord's like, that final 5%, that's where you need to die, to people's opinions. And then I felt like something I just really wanted this particular day in prayer. God, I need compassionate wisdom and wise compassion. I suck at both sometimes. So I need my wisdom to be compassionate. I need my compassion to be wise and not dumb. Would you give me these? Now, here's, here's where it gets a little more complex. The next day, I begin to pair these up with the next day's entry, okay? And what I mean is, by the end of the week, I might have seven words up there. And what it's showing me, if I just forget about it, leave it in my notebook and never view it again, it was great, but I don't know much more about the way. If I review that in the next seven days, I'm like, oh yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do. The Lord already told me that. The Lord already showed me that. And I've had so many times since I started doing this practice where I'm wondering about something and I'm praying about something and then I go back in a journal like this that's topical like that and I'm like, holy cow, God already told me the answer to this. Like two months ago, I wrote this down and here's the answer right here. Do you see what we're saying? You need a chronology of the way he shows you but you can't forget where you've been because it's important for more than just what's happened. It's the theme. It's the thing that's going on in your life right now. And you know how beautiful it is? You know how exciting it is? To look back and be like, holy crap, the thing I need to know today, God already spoke to me a month ago. Do you know how intimate he feels right at that moment? you know how immediate that is? you know how confident you are? My God is talking to me. Like, we're good. It's an awesome feeling. And I want it for you. The way is adventurous. The way is beautiful. The way is good. What time we got? Oh, we got plenty of time. I'm going to go ahead and finish up my point. We got plenty of time here. Church is part of the way. And I'm going to prove it to you. Church is part of the way. Whether you're tuning in online, whether you're in this room right now, the, ch- the life of church is a part of the way. I want to take you to the fierce pathway. Can we see that on the, on the screen? Just so you know what this is, this is a map of the way. This has key events that are a part of the way. Like in God's word, it says, this is the way, do it. So the first the top is engaged, and that means come to church and learn. When you first start coming to church and learning, that is part of the way. And as we come to church and learn, we're getting readmonished, and we're, we're re-shown, no, this is the way. And then our mind begins to wonder, no, this is the way. And then we get off into here, no, this is the, that's why you want to go every week. Because it's going to keep pointing out the way. And then you get to do established, that's about community. And God's going to say, no, community is the way. There's not, another, there's, there, there's not a solo Christianity. It's community. It is the way. Then we get into equipped. Your spiritual gifts are a part of the way. God says, I want you to learn this stuff. So you keep coming to church and we keep learning about spiritual gifts. And you get empowered so that you can go and 
live the gospel before the various contexts of your life. All of this is part of the way. But here's what I wanted to point out. It's really important that you pray for me and you believe, and anyone else who preaches up here, because I'm praying it for you. Listen, listen to this text. You've, you, you might have never heard this before. This, this is Matthew 24. So Jesus is talking about the end of the world, okay? This is the whole context. He's saying, hey, man, look, this is what's going to happen. It's going to go really nuts, and then I'm going to judge my people, okay? And this is what he says. Judge not just his people, but his pastors. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? I'm talking about pastors right now. I'm talking about church leaders. Whom the master has put in charge of the servants of his household to give them their food at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. That is a frightening scripture. It should be to spiritual leaders. But what, what it reminds me of is the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time. Here's what I believe. When you choose, you and the Holy Spirit, your family, you choose a church, God is anointing that place to give you special food at a special time in your walk, at a special time in your life. For that week, for that month, what I'm saying is when I'm preparing the message, I'm saying, God, I need the food that you're anointing these exact people to hear. I don't need just random generic food. I need the food you're apportioning me to go into God's word and find all the secret treasures I can find and give them a glorious meal when they come on Sunday or they're watching online on Sunday or whatever day you're watching. It's a, it's a very serious prayer that I'm praying. And I want to ask you first, pray for me always. God, oh, help Carter cook up something good this week. Mm, I'm going to want something tasty. But then believe there's actually consequences if you miss it because God was making it for you. It's a real thing, man. Who knows what that word would, who knows what that manner would, who knows what that way would have been? Because like, oh yeah, by here, you can avoid some stupid pain just by listening to this. This is not like a gimmick to get you to come to church. This is like, God says this, I'm going to give you the exact specific food for those particular sheep. And the wise spiritual leader is going to take that really seriously and tremble in fear. So what I'm saying is, however you're thinking about the way, We've got an entire generation that now doesn't think that church is part of the way. You're just deceived. That is not the way. Church is part of the way. The community life and hearing regularly for God's word to correct us every week is the way. I hope somebody online right now is clapping in their room because this is really good. Don't take your hands off the wheel, but it's really good. And y'all should have said amen about 20 minutes ago because this is just good stuff. And of course, it's only obedience if we do it. Do you remember what he said to the Israelites? <clears throat> he said, hey man, here's the way. I'm inviting you to avoid pain. And they said, we will not do it. No, we're not going to do it your way, God. Of course, their enemies did come in and did take all their stuff. And it did turn out really bad. And God invites us the same way. He says, there is a secret passage around unnecessary pain, but you have to look for it and ask for it but it's right there. I'm inviting you. I want you there. And here's what we got to know. Here's, here's a revelation we get that they didn't get. Jesus is not just our model on the way. He's not just our helper on the way. He's not just gentle with us on the way. He himself, what do he say? He said, I am the way. Jesus says, I'm going to be with you. And I, if you're ever confused, if you're wondering what is the way, look to Jesus and you will know whatever Jesus would do, that's the way. That's exactly what, so he's your partner, he's your model, he's your example, but check this out, he's the only reason we even can be on the way. Because why? Because he makes up for our mistakes. Because he fills in our failures. 
and he makes up for our messes. And Jesus is looking at you and me, and he's looking at our life spread before us. He says, there's going to be some, some t- stuff you can't avoid, and I'm going to be with you. I'm going to have you right in the palm of my hand. It's going to be good. There's other stuff, though. There's pain I don't want you to have. You can avoid it, but here's what you've got to get down. You've got to ask for it, and you've got to look for it. And he's longing to answer those prayers. Let's pray right now. God, I know that some of us feel super fiery right now, and others of us are like, man, I, I don't feel anything jump-started. I don't feel, any, I just feel anything come on. That's okay. Wherever everybody is, Lord, we look to you just really meekly, really humbly, and we ask, God, would you give us your way? Help us to hear you and sense you through the words of Scripture. Help us to hear you and sense you, sense you through anointed preaching, through anointed Christian books from past and present. God, show us your way by the Holy Spirit. Nudge us, touch us when we are missing the way. Jesus, you are the way. We know you're not going to let go of us. Help us as we wander to snap right back. In Christ's name. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being his witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.